Hello and welcome and happy Easter to the listeners and my co-host um, on the St. George's Martin Staff, the official podcast of the Church of St. George the Martin in Kales River. My co-host is obviously the Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman, the rector of the parish, who has been putting in amazing performances, um, a little bit of, uh, or not, a little bit of ad-libbing as well, um, I've been told, <laughs> a little bit of editing on the fly. Uh, but that's all in the name of providing not only spiritual nourishment, trying to extract the key messages out of the the texts, but also entertainment. Uh, because I mean, you you're preaching to wild swings of audiences. So you have like the three-hour devotion audience, which is like the more traditional people, and now these new people coming in there. So you have to keep them engaged. You had the kids on Friday morning. You have the set movements in the service of light. How do you manage to cater to all of the different communities within the church that are now flooding the church on Easter, over the Easter weekend? What do they call, you know, when you're an athlete, they call it adrenaline. Yeah. <laughs> When you're in the church, you're hoping it's the direction uh, of God's spirit um, as you're doing your preparations and thinking through. You'd also have the uh, um, the storage of experiences of the past yeah. that you draw upon. And every every reflection, even on a an existing text, um, brings something new to 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 the frame. And and it's, it's it's always difficult. For example, when you are preparing something, you don't. I mean, you you, you don't know who will be sitting in the pews. Mm. Uh, you don't know the people's circumstances. So the question is always saying, how does this relate? How would this relate if I say it in this way, mm. or if we do it in that way, or if we are we sing that hymn? And and would the persons worshiping recognize that you try to, with with the help of this of you know the, prayerfully the spirit of God, how the flow and the rhythm of the liturgy has to be, mm. and and recognizing that in some services you do have children, uh, and at, at, um, and and so it's quite amazing, you know I I I I I always I'm always afraid. Uh, and terrified when I'm asked to do something with children in a format like this because I'm not sure. Uh, I've been I've, I've been always told that I tend to use big words, mm. and and some people perhaps find it difficult to immediately understand. Um, although every word is spoken in a context, so if there's a context, you would be able to follow it if you you know trying at least to participate in that level. Yeah. So it was amazing that, and here, here is where I'm floundered. I'm floundered because I was an introverted teenager. Mm -hmm. So I would easily just be in my own behind a locked door and, you know, I was reading my scripture. I was reciting scripture so that I can memorize it. Yeah. Um, and somehow when I'm in an atmosphere, there's somehow just something, that this extroverted side of me projects itself. Mm -hmm. 
and also um, finding that I actually do have a rapport with children, maybe not all children, but with children. I mean, I was amazed at the interaction I had yesterday at the nine o'clock service mm. uh, because I really didn't know how I was going to speak. And and then, of course, the te- <laughs> the teachers themselves were Mike shy. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, and, and I said that to them afterwards. Well, they content to just know their little classes, but there I am needing to be the one leading their classes uh, at different age levels. But again, I could say, you know, uh, one's spirituality, one's understanding and acceptance that you need, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in your reflection, in your planning. So you've got to be prayerful, as well as saying, do I have control over who's going to listen and in- interact here? Mm. And and really that is, um, and of course you do also reflect with others because with the Sunday school thing, I kept having to go to Merazine and saying, is this okay for children? Yeah. You know, that liturgy that I prepared for them, she and I sat down with a few of the thoughts that she brought to the table, but there were spaces I had to fill in. Mm. And again, kept asking, how do I do that? And of course, you know, this week I have been challenged to prepare liturgy like never before, <laughs> um, you know. And at the same time, I'm having to present, I'm having to uh, um, submit some work for an editorial in Word and Worship, um, mm. which is an ecumenical attempt at um, reflection on scripture and liturgy. Mm. So so it was quite, and then I, I realized the more I sat with the text, the more ingrained I became in what are they actually saying? Yeah. And so it was quite, an, an amidst the tiredness, uh, you know, having to sit for long hours, I felt, I feel a sense of that, you know, my, my I've, I've been refreshed mm. and renewed by, my engagement with the text and with liturgy mm. and the God whom we worship. What was interesting in, in the in the kids' service, um, which I obviously attended because I have children, um, and I got to skip out on the three-hour devotion. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think my days are numbered again. I was I was telling my daughter that at her age, um, I was sitting for at least an hour out of the three-hour devotion uh, with with my. Yeah, when I was about 11, 12, my, my, my mom was fed up of the, of the kids. So I don't even think there was a kids service at that. It was just, they had started like Stations of the Cross kind of things, which was like very weird. And it was a very small group. So we could actually move through the various stations as a group in the church, which was very taxing for my, for my mother, I imagine, um, who just wanted to engage with the scripture as, as, as prescribed. Um, but it was interesting that the interaction, the level of interaction, I think you were a bit surprised by um, with mm. some of the responses from the kids. Um, and to that, I, I need to tell you that um, our kids now are largely private school kids. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, that's so true. <laughs> we spend a lot of money on school fees. So I, I would I would hope that the vocabulary would be up to standard. <laughs> uh, but Yeah. But but the developing of the the message through interaction is something that I think goes missing later on in the church. Like imagine 
if you have you ever tried having that kind of interactive sermon thing um with in in a in a normal church service yes uh i did so yesterday oh okay um but but you, you, the, the thing is one person said the way that you preach is conversational. Mm. So, you know, if I'm, for example, stuck on a word, mm. and then I would say to somebody there that I'm familiar with, um, how would you, uh, what word would you use here, you know? Yeah. And so I do tend to do that, but not all the time. But there was something I read many years ago um, that sort of influenced my thinking around preaching, and that mm. is it's a dual uh, responsibility. Yeah. The, the, the congregation is as responsible of the sermon as I am who have to preach it, because you have to listen in order to see, hear the, the the message, but also to critique it, because you can't you can't you can't process anything without critiquing mm. what you've heard, um, and and I think that um, that was it was really interesting because I used that terminology when I was in Fishuk because that's mm. where I actually I read the book, and um, there was a professor that um, was part of his, his doc doc. Professor Dr. Um, John Suckett, a mm. hundred years old now and very well scholared in Greek and the Bible and so on. So when I mentioned that, uh, what's the name? John actually affirmed it with his head, you know, shook his head. Yeah. And I was quite um, amazed by that. So yes, I have, I have tried it. But I think that's what I'm, I, I, as much as I could read and study on my own and so on, I learn best when I'm interacting with people. Mm. And so I do tend to, is that the right word, take in the crowd? Yes. <laughs> uh, but I mean, this this whole conversation, this whole podcast is built on, on that kind of thought. Um, and, and, I, and I hope it, it, it still ent entertains the, the listeners. But one thing in that in that conversation is in 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 my back pocket i was listening to every word you were saying when you when you got into the meat of your sermon and then you started with this idea that we are god's family because god created us and then you didn't then you went on to a point where you said that god comforts us when we're having a bad day through the nature that he has created around us and then i was like but if god created the animals and nature then that is also part of the family and you you circled back at the end before i was going to ask my question um to say that that we must now care for the family, but there's 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 an and I I call it the the Christian arrogance in that where the idea and I mean you go through the readings on on Easter, the Genesis reading, the idea that humans are somehow elevated above the status of the rest of creation 
but it is all created by God. And I, I just want to get your thoughts on that, like like how closely related familial relations do you personally feel to nature? Oh, it's very interesting. Um, there, there was a um, accusation, uh, I think, on the on the house floor in America mm. uh, um, in this recent week, where Democrats were were accused of worshiping nature, mm-hmm. whilst the Republicans worship the Creator. Mm. <laughs> um, and and I thought, I I, I think when I um, when I it, it, it's a, it's a process when one or in initially is taught about God and God's love and the work of creation the there is a theological leaning to to where we are seen as the pinnacle of the creation and therefore we are the most important uh, um, um, amongst all of us mm. Whereas um, it's of, of recent years that we've been doing sing, th- a thing in the liturgy called Seasons of Creation. Yeah. Where theologians have realized uh, or, or, this, or, you know, been inspired to realize that we cannot put ourselves at the top to the detriment of the rest of creation. Mm. And so I have more and more, um, and you would notice I've I've now uh, when you when I when we do a little, a little uh, the Eucharistic prayer, I would be very keen to say, um, therefore with uh, you know the the old ones is therefore with angels and archangels and all the company of heaven, we proclaim that eternal song of praise, holy, holy, holy. Mm. I would now I would now re- realize all that. Um, where does creation fit into all of this? Because don't creation sing the songs of praises too? Mm. And so I would now say, therefore, with all creation and with the heavenly company, something like that, yeah. bring creation in to the frame. It's it's, it's interesting, you know, um, uh, um, when I was at Fishuk and when I when I moved away from there, one of the guys said to me, one thing I want to thank you for is that you made us realize that the old adage had to be changed when we said brothers and sisters rather than sisters and brothers, and you kept bringing the sisters in first and the brothers in afterwards. Mm. So with creation too, we tend to have left it out of the framework of worship. And if it's out of the framework of worship, we therefore don't we don't consider it as part of our life. Mm. And and so I now realize that yes, our, our faith and our theological development is of such a nature that sometimes we do not capture the moment then, but mm. it will be revealed later on. So yes, I think I'm beginning to include nature more and more uh, as part of, and me not look. I can't compare how God speaks to a to a flower. Mm. I don't, I don't hear the conversation, but I am aware that there is a conversation. Mm-hmm. Okay. And 
And so only, only so, so when I, and in, in my prayers, for example, when I say um, the flower opens and shows its face to mm. God of their making, that's a conversation without words. I think where we as human beings assume that we have a language that is apparently coherent and that yeah. if other people can understand, then the creator must also understand what we're speaking about. But we forget that just being a cow, mooing and eating the grass and lying in it mm-hmm. is part of your, of, 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 of that part of nature's reflection to yeah. God. It's being what God made it to be. So I, I appreciate the question, and I think it's a very challenging one. But a lot of people haven't, a lot of us haven't journeyed to it to say, even in our day-to-day living, um, you know, we are, we, are, we are all just part of creation. And, mm. and each of us bring our, try to bring our best to God, try to bring our best to the world. Mm. Uh, but it, it's taken a long time because right now, for example, on, th- on, on Monday, Thursday, we have each of the parishes in our diocese have received a, 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 tree, a tree to plant, mm-hmm. a sapling uh, from our environmental officer in the diocese. Mm. And um, it is based on Lambeth Conference when our bishops met last year. Yeah. Um, the Archbishop of Canterbury is now ed- advocating the planting of trees. So he's going to, he, he started to plant trees in um, Canterbury where they are wanting to create a forest-like atmosphere mm. again. So this is being brought more and more into frame. But it's interesting you ask this question because alongside this question, there are those who are... Um, part of the LGBTQI plus Mm. community who was saying, we want answers as to what's happening to us and our inclusion in the body of Christ. But now you're giving more attention to trees. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, to, 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 uh, I, uh, I fashion myself as an ally of the community. Um, But I am also sensitive as a person of color to the idea that a lot of the outrage that or a lot of the outrage energy that is directed at the injustices and legit sometimes uh, legit injustices um, towards the LGBTQ plus community is being stolen from the outrage that should still be directed towards racism. Um, and there's there's a there's a a conversation there. <laughs> That 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 is vital, uh, but this is not the, the the forum to get into that. That's just my my personal beliefs, um, and I still stand with the LGBTQ plus community through everything. I believe in everybody's right to existence um, and love. <laughs> that's that's my thing. Everybody has the right to love, and yeah, we we shouldn't be putting labels on on people and excluding people from loving, caring, because of the things that they cannot control. Yeah. Um, Could I just yeah. say something on that? Yeah. Quickly. Just quickly to say, in a, in a normal life lived one day at a time, mm. in, a, in a given day, we encounter in a micro 
macro way, the micro-ness of our being, mm. if if I can put it like that. What, what I'm saying is this. So I may come across somebody who's pain of being rejected because they're black. And, and, and how do I engage that when I sense if I'm invited to, to share in it? Yeah. So in fact, not just talk about it, but listen to where the person is coming from, if it should come up. But I could also equally at the next very next moment encounter somebody that says environmental issues are very, very important. Yeah. And how do I respond to that? And then a person from the LGBTQ community may say, you know, I just want to reflect with you something here. Where does the church stand on these issues affecting us? Mm. So in a given day, we could actually cross over so many boundaries of interaction. Yeah. Um, the question is, what are we going to do about it every day? Now, I don't know if I have the energy to be encountered every <laughs> moment every day. Yeah. But, I mean, life happens. Yeah. How prepared are we to be engaged and to be engaging? Mm. And I think if we can work it out in a given day, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a small way, because that's where you have to start. Mm. On the other hand, most of those issues are also on the big stage. Mm. And, and, and the question would be is, does this daily local encounter have any effect on what goes on on the big stages of life? Yeah. Because there's a channeling, which you know, the big stage has got microphones and they've they've got money and they've got all of that kind of stuff, but it could go nowhere. Mm. You know. Um, so you really, I'm I'm saying, where would we make a difference? Um, I was talking to a, to a to a parish the other day, where, where where there was debt, to you know they've got huge debt, and I said sometimes we we want to pay this off, starting to look at the left hand side of the of the amount. Mm. Maybe we should start paying off the right hand side, and then we will be able to pay off the big amount. <laughs> <laughs> One penny at a time, you say. One penny at a time. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Uh, but yeah, like like for me, the 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 cure is always inclusion, and um, yeah. unfortunately, uh, the idea of Christianity that is popular right now is one of exclusion. Yeah, it's about forming different sects, you know, and having this challenge to like win people over to your argument and and yeah that's just it's just dumb i think like i was uh, uh, a friend came over yesterday um she's deeply religious uh they on their own kind of alternate journey um and they she was saying the the concept of of jesus came up and her response, I, I forget the exact context, but it was that you can't be as perfect as Jesus. No one can ever be as perfect as Jesus. And the question in my mind, it was the, the, the wrong time to ask it of her. And we've we've had these these deep discussions already, but it just wasn't the, the, the right forum. Is if your idea of Jesus 
is something, if you are Christian and you are challenging yourself to live like Jesus, to follow that example, it's, it, you already lost your way <laughs> on your path if you are pointing at a goal that you know is unattainable. So if if your idea of Jesus is is and and, and it comes down to what what is called the perfect sacrifice and and, and that's actually the, the discussion because like that's the whole vibe of Easter. It's it's the the renewal of that that belief in the perfect sacrifice which was death on the cross. And then the glory of the rising from the dead and the defeating death and the king that conquered without bloodshed and all those things. But is it then humans thinking, Christians thinking that it's okay to sway from the path and also okay to chastise myself because I need to reach this level, but I know I'll never reach it because I can't die <laughs> for it and live again. Like I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't crystallized. It's, it's just, it's, it's, it's silly. It's, it's, it's the route to depression. Um, to put in all that effort to a goal that you've already consciously decided you can never achieve. Well, if. If Jesus thought we could never achieve it, why would he set us on the path? We're not expected to to um, be um, Jesus in the sense, but we're expected to become like him. And the word become is a very important thing. Mm. Uh, it's it's the same concept in society. When when young people get into trouble, in a community, it's always said they they don't have good role models. Mm. And so the attempt to get them to understand there are good examples to follow in your life, choose the one that you can. Will you ever reach that person? I mean, if, we, if I'm supposed to follow in, and this is my understanding, if I'm supposed to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, it means he will always be walking in front of me and I will be behind him. This is a way of understanding walking in his footsteps. Is it is there ever going to come a time when I will walk alongside him? Or in my struggle to follow in his footsteps, he comes and walks alongside me. So sometimes the footprints that are alongside me are both the footprints I'm following as well as I'm being companioned on this journey. Is the goal, and, and this is my my stance these days, mm. my stance is not to get to the answer, but it's to live the question. Mm. And, and yes, in living the question, I'm going to be um, challenged by diversions. Mm. And I've got to then um, prayerfully analyze is this going to lead me to where I'm where I'm, I thought I was going to? 
Um, so he he must always um, the the one whom I follow uh, um, will always be that which I must aspire to. Hmm. Looking for for us to reach perfection in a way is foolhardy. It's about following that which is that which is good. It's about being embraced and companioned by that which is good. Hmm. Even though we ourselves not may not in this life particularly be fully good. That is why we lean on the mercy of God. Hmm. It's why we know that, um, you know, the psalmist says, I need a lamp to my feet. And what is that? Your word. I need therefore also at the same time a light to my path. Um, which is your word. So um, catering for both one step at a time, but also looking ahead to where I'm going to, mm. to where I'm being led to. So I think uh, I, I think we 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 are inspired to strive towards it one step at a time. Mm. Um, and so and so I I, I realize it is a, it, it could be a futile uh, uh, what's the name. Because you know there are some people out there who who's advocated themselves as being Jesus, mm. as being ma- messianic. But then, I mean, just re- just recently we had that conversation around the EFE, EF's uh, president saying what he yeah. said, and then this person in America advocating that because Mr. Trump has been uh, arrested, he is like Jesus. <laughs> But he is, uh, you know, <laughs> in, in, in that man, context. Man. It's important to have the context. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, I understand that. But uh, in response to what you just earlier mm. said, I think it's, it's because look, in your following, you may be also giving leadership to those mm. who have not found their way or seem to have lost their way. So um, I think St. Paul, your favorite um, biblical uh, author, said, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm. But in that, like, I, I guess that the point that I'm trying to make is is related to the, the interplay between um, evolution and creation, where for me, it's vitally important to cast off the idea that that you aren't as great as something that has risen up through the ranks of 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 evolution from a single-celled organism into what you are right now and what you are capable of and i think the concept like 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 you need to understand when when the 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 creation story was written um man humans didn't know anything anything like they didn't even know that that America existed, mm. <laughs> that North America existed. Like the map ended at at uh, oh my gosh, and and just from that, you 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 can you can make the argument, and I have many times that we we can't we can't keep carrying that story, and and it's something that I got into last week. Like we we can't keep carrying those stories because they've. <laughs> They've been made redundant. But the, the the other point I'm trying to make is when you have a role model in real life, like if you have a young rapper, for instance, and his role model is Jay-Z, 
he can never think that he can't achieve that level, you know, because it stunts your own development. Like we tell kids to dream big. I I I don't even tell my kids to dream big. I just tell them to dream. It's like mm-hmm. you were you made the, the the joke yesterday about the the kids drawing of of the family and it's the stick man. But it's funny that the joke is funny to adults because we consider that stick figure drawings as being very rudimentary, very immature, very, like. We put more value on like Monet and like all these other things. But when the child is drawing it and what they see and when they show us so proudly, they are seeing something far greater. They're seeing like the full three-dimensional immersive environment and they've just sketched it. And, And it kills me when parents don't celebrate that enthusiasm because that immediately shuts them off. So now in Christianity, you have this idea, you will never be as, you will never be as perfect as Jesus, right? That's where you're starting from. So where do you grow to? Like there's already a a hard limit to, to, to what you can become. But the, the question is, is that well, there's many people who claim that, that the, some of the things they say is gospel mm. or that it comes from scripture. And then you begin to wonder where in scripture is this? Yeah. And, and how come it's gospel now suddenly? Well, the gospel doesn't say we will never be like Jesus. The gospel's mm. call is to become like him by following him. Yeah. And part of that journey is to know that. He is the full expression of God's love for all the world Mm. in which there lays no condemnation, but redemption. Mm. So the walk we're walking to is redemptive, um, transformative. It's, 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 it's there for in the following. Mm. Everyone will know that by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another as I've loved you. Mm. And so the simile there, just like I've loved you, you've got to explore what that means for you in order to understand how we ought to be loving one another. Mm. So it will never be perfection in itself. It will be an inspiration towards going to that place. And, and I mean, is, is perfection personified in Jesus? If, if that's for, for the Christian, what they believe, then mm. you cannot be that fully but you can follow towards that so what's the call of the gospel um the the the, uh, i mean there's one of the hugest calls i think in the sermon of the mount be merciful as your father in heaven is merciful um so are we called through that text to be godlike and have godlike characteristics in ourselves? Um, so in a way, the bar is set high. Mm. But the only way we'll be able to get to it is by following one step at a time. 
Mm. That's the gospel call for me is to follow, come and follow me. And along the path, I will make of you whatever I need to. And it's interesting, fishes of men was the term used in that particular context. Mm. But, you know, um, you said earlier on that we shouldn't be leaning back to those stories um, in the current, uh, current world. I was teaching on the Eucharist the institution of the Eucharist on Thursday, Monday, mm. Thursday. And one of the resources I consulted um, made this point, made that point, says the Eucharist gives meaning to my being in the world. But as the world changes, does the Eucharist continue to give it meaning? Mm. So, um, you know, this whole creation story, um, by going back to it, by reflecting back to it, as the world changes, does it cater for how we ought to be in an ever-changing world? Mm. He said, yeah, I've read many books about the Eucharist. They were written 10, 20, 30, even 40 years ago. Although they contain many deep insights, mm. they no longer help me to experience the Eucharist at the center of my life. Today, the old questions are, are there again. And, and so it's, I thought that was very brilliant because does those, does those stories give deep, still hold deep insights, but their relevance to us, how we live today, mm. do, do we then, because it has deep insights, say, yes, I will continue trying to consider. Because in my view, for example, why are, people assuming a position called creationists and why are people seeking a position called evolutionists? Mm. Why should they, you spoke earlier about the whole problem of exclusion mm. when we should be inclusive. And, and, and so, I mean, I have no problem by saying if, if it's ever proven that, evolution was the way things happened, then that was part of creation. I've got no problem in including that in my understanding because I don't have full proof, but I do have the proof in that I'm living on this world. I'm a created being amongst many other created beings mm -hmm. and, and I'm learning to understand St. Francis of Assisi's way when he called the fly brother. Mm. <laughs> so, so um, why, are then, why are we fighting with semantics? Why, you know, um, I remembered my brother and, and I were quite heated when it comes to scripture and God and all that. Yeah. And he identified himself uh, in one of our later conversations as an, as a, as an evangelical. Mm. I don't, classify myself under any of these uh, wonderful terms, high yeah. church, low church, whatever church, I am seeking to recognize um, and, and um, in, in my sermon on Thursday night, I ended off with my, an, exp, uh, an, I, an Eucharist experience I had when we were in Paul's Mall during 85. And I said, you know, there was a diversity of church traditions and there was a diversity of 
religion. Mm. Muslims shared the same cell that I was in as the Methodists and whoever else. There we did not in that context when the when the when the two Muslim guys asked for Friday prayers uh, that they would need to adhere to, we embraced being in that same space and listening to them doing their prayers. Mm. The Sunday comes, and one of those Muslim persons says to us, "Would you please sing this hymn in your service?" that I learned when I was at Wesley Primary School. Mm. Now, for me, that experience was so inclusive. Mm. And none of us were punished because we crossed the lines of tradition and faith. It was seen, we had had a, 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 an inclusive experience of seeking justice and being imprisoned. But our faith was central to that, and there was no judgment against faith nor tradition. Mm. Now, what that experience uh, really helps me to see this concept that Archbishop Njong Nkulu said many years ago, we have to be a church without walls. Mm. We have to stop acting in silos and we must listen to each other. Um, If you choose to say a thing that way, why should I now suddenly be your enemy? Because I'm saying something Mm. in a different way. The question for me, Lindsay, is this. This is what this podcast has taught me. We can't have a conversation about anything unless we listen Mm. to each other. And I think on that point we 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 can we can close this uh, because it's it's important to have that inclusion. Like I fashion myself as an atheist leaning religious agnostic, um, which gives me the freedom in my thoughts because I attach a lot of how I think of the world and interpret the world to the words I use to describe it. I want to describe it as accurately as possible. It gives me the freedom to learn from the various religions and philosophies and explore all of that without any pretense. And it also gives me the edge that I need to challenge authority uh, because I start from a point, the atheist leaning parties, I start from a point where there is no thing in creation in this on this planet that is ordained by a higher power and for me that's the starting point of most of our problems is that we've installed leaders or leaders have come upon us and thrust ideas upon entire societies leading with the fact that they were ordained by a higher power so I just unplug the power <laughs> and then start my thought process from there. But w- w- one of those those things about like uh, one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had 
within a church was it was in the early days of of going up to visit my dad in in Pretoria when he had moved to Sunnyside um, and St Michael's in in Sunnyside is quite an inclusive um, community. It's 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 mostly uh, black people at the church now just because of how Sunnyside has evolved over time. Uh, but there was a song Avulikile Amasango. Um, which translates to the gates of heaven are open and the blessings are falling down. And just the, I, I, I will, I will put a link. I will definitely put a link to the song in the in the podcast description. Um, just the interaction of the voices in the arrangement and how the community embraces that interaction and the message behind it. And the joy that is experienced, the palpable joy, is 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 absolutely incredible. And if you start from a place of trying to keep your idea of Jesus and Christianity in a box, in that tomb, and never open yourself up to other ideas of creation, other celebrations, I I think you love a poorer human experience. And I thank you. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Thank you very much. Mark. Appreciate you and the listeners as well. Happy Easter to you tomorrow. Happy as, Easter. Today, what, we, we put this out at 12. <laughs> yes, as, as, as John Sucker would have said to me, the main message of Easter is... Um, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And he would say it to me in Greek. <laughs> so say it in Greek. I, yeah. I, it keeps <laughs> passing me by. <laughs> I, I know I know Christe is in there. In yeah. this Christe, I think that's what it is. But please don't quote me. I'm happy to you and yours too. So <laughs> 